Welcome, everyone, to the dystopic hellscape that is 2020 in the fall, where we are mixing a global pandemic with potential uh, electoral craziness in the United States, a gender reveal party turned massive forest fires, and just genuine mental unease and unhappiness, uh, all together into a potion of let's call it mm, crappiness. But do not fret. We are here with a podcast to relieve you of your worries for an hour plus, however long we do this. I am Crofton Steers, one of the hosts of said podcast, which is called Dungeons and Diapers. And with me is my co-host of said podcast called Dungeons and Diapers, Ryan Murphy. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. It, it is really odd that we provide this very excellent remedy uh, once every two weeks. It's it's almost like we're we're uh, <laughs> artificial scarcity. Like I don't know. We should probably punch it up. Let's do an hour good. fifteen. How's that sound? We could do that. We're yeah. good Samaritans. Like uh, you know, we just want to make people happy. It's really it's really what we do. Um, we're in the happiness business. Ryan, uh, how are you in general right now? Like, how are you? It is September, mid, mid, late, late September. Late September. <laughs> yeah, late September. We are in the fall. Yep. How are you doing? I, I want to, you know, we've started every episode for the last six months on a very important topic. And I think we should continue that for sure. But really, we need to talk about the... Uh, the elephant in the room, which is pumpkin spice, um, it has returned with uh, with with great fervor uh, to many locations across our fair country, um, the world, really, except for McDonald's. Did you notice McDonald's doesn't have pumpkin spice? I I I don't know if you're a pumpkin spice connoisseur, but are you? I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm an expert in pumpkin spice. And when you talked about that, we were we were for the the past six months talking about the same thing and i get what you were doing there mm. i for a moment thought you were talking about uh that we were talking for six months about pumpkin spice which we totally could do in the future we could spend the next six months opening we up could. with pumpkin spice updates but uh no i uh i i like the starbucks pumpkin spice latte which i don't want to say is point zero of pumpkin spice like where everything else sort of ripples off from but it's definitely the first popular pumpkin spice thing that I was aware of. Um, and I like some pumpkin spice flavored great uh, baked goods, like if it's a muffin or something of that sort. But uh, aside from that, like they're getting pretty crazy and liberal with the use of <laughs> said pumpkin spice. And I'm not so sure about some of this stuff. And and th so here's the thing. Um, I'm not a pumpkin spice person either. I might, I might have been building that up for, for me to just defend pumpkin spice tooth and nail. But I, I I get swept up in the season, and sometimes it's nice to feel like uh, it's it's uh, normal. And uh, I try, I usually get one a year, and then I realize like, hmm, that wasn't that great. Not because of the pumpkin, but mostly because I just don't like a latte. A latte to me feels like you you took a cup of sugar, threw it in a coffee, then like made it thicker, um, and maybe tried to add a flavor to it and failed miserably. So. Uh, I went to, so first of all, I went to McDonald's, I'll get my yearly pumpkin spice, 
and I, they don't have it. So they're not doing pumpkin spice at McDonald's McCafe, which is usually sometimes my, I, try, I usually go back and forth between McDonald's and Tim Hortons, but um, they didn't have it there. And uh, I went to Tim Hortons today and I, I got a pumpkin, a small pumpkin spice latte, which was like four bucks. Another reason why I don't get lattes, really not a big fan. What I would love though, is like a flavored coffee, like a flavored pumpkin spice coffee, which I think I did get at Starbucks once. And it was pretty good. Um, so, but the Tim Hortons one, it didn't taste like anything. By the time you go to drink it, it's all like mixed together. And it's just, I don't know. It's like a sugary coffee syrup and it's not great, but you're right. Baked good pumpkin spice, like the Timbits pumpkin spice and the muffins pumpkin, pumpkin spice. Very good stuff. That's sugary, good. Uh, sugary coffee syrup should be a Tim Hortons slogan. It should be like Tim Hortons. Come for the sugary coffee syrup. Well, and see, I, that's, and yeah, they—that's th- their lifeblood, really. But I, I kick sugar in my coffee back in university. Like someone just said, like, I think it was my roommate. He just said, ah, you know, you should try it without sugar one sometime. Like I think he took it black, and I'm like, ah, oh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll cut sugar. Try it with just milk. And sure enough, like I, I can't have it with sugar anymore. Like if I get sugar in my coffee, it tastes really weird to me. Um. But I still drink a lot of coffee, so like cutting sugar out of coffee is one thing, but you're still drinking a ton of caffeine. Um, but I'm sure everyone can relate <laughs> with what we're going through. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just, it was weird. I I had a sip of it, and knowing it was $4 and it was so small, it's like, oh my God, like what am I doing here? But pumpkin-flavored coffee, like if I can find some of that. And, and this is kind of why I'm reaching out to our listeners, because pumpkin spice time like people talk about pumpkin spice lattes coffee that sort of thing it's kind of a big deal for a lot of people so i'm wondering like am i am i screwing it up a lot of people will say by going to tim hortons i've already screwed up coffee yep. and enjoying coffee um uh, but i just i can't i don't like spending a lot of money on it i don't know it's just no i know and i got uh, like a pumpkin spice latte there's a starbucks not too far from my house and uh, you know because i don't regularly go out now the kids are at school slash daycare, my wife and I were like, hey, we can go out for a walk. So we went out for a walk at lunch one day and we we went by the Starbucks and I said, well, you know, we can treat ourselves to a fancy coffee. And we did. And I got like a pumpkin spice latte, which was something like crazy, like seven bucks Canadian. Like once you're all done, it's crazy expensive. It was so good though. Like it was delicious. I do think that that pumpkin spice has defined the season in such a way that like they're really leaning hard on trying to find the pumpkin spice of other seasons, you know, they're like for, for the Christmas season, they have a bunch of these flavors like peppermint. Yeah. Peppermint, but it's never, it's never broken big the way pumpkin spice is broken big. You know, it's, it's, it's fine, but it's not like people aren't going nuts in the same, the same way. And it, and then outside of that, like, spring what's the spring thing they don't really you know they don't try to like it's like uh cadbury eggs but you can't really they haven't cadbury eggs haven't really cracked outside of like the ice cream slash novelty donut ring oh yeah well you've just jumped categories entirely now you're in candy like if you're talking candy yes cadbury eggs are cadbury's got like a a flavor to it though like it's it's that yolky stuff that tastes so good yeah, I, lo- yeah. I love Cadbury eggs. So we much. should just crack a couple Cadbury eggs and yeah. test it out. We could make. 
we were talking dollars. about trying to start a Patreon for the show. What, what it should be, what it sh- what the Patreon should be is just like you can only donate, send Cap- Cadbury egg donations. Like, right. You know, it's like for three Cadbury eggs a month, you get this. But hey, uh, the kids would appreciate it. Just swap it up to like Kinder Eggs. That's the next tier. Uh, keep the kids happy. Keep them occupied with Kinder Eggs. And then we get to do more Dungeons content. Send more Cadbury eggs and... We do more diapers. I don't know. Something like that. uh, Kinder is like, okay. Like the the chocolate's fine. It's fine. And it's got a toy in it, which it's great as a kid. But like, I mean, it is not next level on Cadbury eggs. Like Cadbury eggs are the money. I'm sorry. Anyway, we're on a complete aside. And I I would like to redirect this out of this jovial chat about pumpkin spice and and, and Easter candy into a depressive death spiral as we – as I as I discuss my life lately, um, and I only I only say this because uh, I and I know everybody everybody is in a different situation with regards to the COVID nineteen global pandemic, um, but where we are up in Canada is kind of I don't want to say that that things were completely back to a new normal, but it was close, and August in particular saw a, a really big reduction in the numbers of cases, especially in the province that I'm in. Um, and people just, I, I, I guess they found some form of balance and they were all loathing kind of the return to school. Um, and with the idea this not loathing, but scared of the return to school and what it could potentially mean. And just the flu season in general. And uh, there was just sort of feeling that, you know, by October, November, in the number the covid numbers would go up well they did not wait that long in mm. ottawa where i am they have shot up to the numbers that they were in like april and and may like peak pandemic the health officer has said we're in the second wave officially um at least in the city that i'm in now i recognize that there's there there's probably some cities uh, and lots of places in the states where they're like second wave we have just like been been you know doing this nonstop since uh since april oh and and it's not to say that there there hasn't been a break here it's just that now it's we're back to kind of like thinking about are we going to start closing businesses schools gonna gonna start closing like there's a lot of that we're looking at the numbers every day the the chief health officer of the city just announced now that there's going to be like a $5,000 fine if you violate, you know, um, certain COVID restrictions, including um, large gatherings and this sort of thing. So it's, it's been, it's been crazy in that regard. And it's also been crazy because um, with the kids going back to school, everybody is getting tested um, at these COVID testing sites, because as soon as your kid gets the sniffles, you got to take them to get tested as soon as there's any sort of symptom. Um, and uh, yeah, my wife got what I think is a cold this week, which is normal for, I guess, the season. Although my wife is the most diligent of all of us. And um, it, it's just it's it's just like we can't we have to she had to go get tested and we're waiting on the results and we don't know and you know there's a certain amount of anxiety that that brings although again i am very confident that she does not have covid but um she you know she had to line up and and there's all this sort of pressure around the lines and the time and all of that and while she is while we are waiting for her test and she's exhibiting you know cold symptoms and all of this then it 
it means that we have to keep Gwen home from school. She's only had one full week of school already. On the second week, we're keeping her keeping her home. We we have to keep Clara the um, out of daycare, um, and uh, you know Gwen Jesse is sick, and so like she she can't really take care of the kids full. So I have to not work again. Uh, and it's just, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of stress and we are in a good situation compared to a lot of people. So it's just, it's just, I, I feel my stress level go up. I see it, uh, in my friends and family. It seems like everybody is getting COVID tested every day. Um, and so it's just, uh, it, yeah, it's a stressful time. And I, re- I recognize it is for, for everyone. I hope you guys are doing better than we are, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, we've, uh, we've been hunkered down for for quite a while and and uh, we're trying to take it uh seriously despite you know family members being like you know uh it's uh, you know it's 0.001% of people in Peterborough that that are contracting it and then they're not even going to hospital cuz it's mild and and you just i i think I've I've said this a couple times like I I don't think you're going to convince people who are actively balking at the virus until someone they know gets it. And that is a terrible, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but like there's just, these are, there are just these people who, who are, who are, you can't convince them, you know? And, uh, you know, a, a bit of a success story that I'll, I'll, we'll go over in the diaper section, but I think really like sometimes it's also some, for some of those people, it's like they, they need to maybe determine what they, uh, what they're missing out on by not taking, you know, the, the physical distancing and other health regulation rules, um, seriously, right. You know, there are different levels that people are taking this seriously. Like we have the luxury to be able to kind of hunker down in the house, like both Ashley and I are working, Caden's in remote learning. So us, us even having, you know, um, getting sick is very unlikely unless we, you know, subject ourselves. There was uh, some cold, you know, weather passing through last week, but yeah, it's, it's going fairly well. Like we don't, um, I think we have, uh, you know, uh, Ashley's aunt who lives in the States, um, had contracted COVID, but she's doing well. She's at home and she's recovering. Um, but it's been like, Peterborough's pretty lucky. Like we're just outside the GTA. Um, we sort of had that buffer off Oshawa kind of takes care of all the like that's sort of the buffer of like the GTA has kind of reached that far. And then Peterborough's further down from there. And we've been pretty lucky. Like, I think we have like 10 active cases, um, but there is a climb. Ontario is definitely climbing. Um, there's some uncertainty happening right now with, with even our government in terms of what's going to happen. Like when we discuss things next episode, we might, things might've completely changed again. Like, I think right now in these two week spans, it is a little scary because a lot can change as opposed to previous, you know, months where we weren't, we, you know, we thought we were handling it pretty well. And, and really like the second wave could have just been, um, something that was going to happen no matter what, you know, just based on how long. And I think it, it really comes down to just people get people getting bored or I don't know. It's just wild. Um, I really hope everyone stays safe and, and, uh, hopefully, you know, the test comes back negative. There are a lot of colds going around, right? Like, and, uh, is it, is it a work I, thing that she has to be tested or is it because she has no, symptoms? She has symptoms. She has like a, a cold, you yeah. know, like she's a really like sinus all plugged up. Sounds horrible. Like, like honestly, if this was regular 
times, it'd be no big deal. But the problem is that that it, it screws everybody in the family, and then likely that that cold will go to somebody else in the family, and then we'll have to do it all again. So, like, if 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 Jesse has it, you know, we can't. We have to self quarantine until her results are back. Like, we can't go out out and about. We have to kind of assume that she has it, right? Yeah. Which is which is challenging and it's challenging for the kids. Like we didn't go to the park. We didn't do any walks today or yesterday. I've been off work, which is, you know, causing me some stress. Um, and then, uh, and then I could go back. Um, and I am planning to tomorrow. And, uh, and then next, uh, and just to be clear, I, I'm not leaving my house. Like I'm, uh, I, I get back online. Like I could be working and then I get sick or Clara gets sick or Gwen gets sick and we we have to go get tested again because Jesse we dropped her off at like 9 p- um 8 30 a.m at the center and then she was done at like half past noon or something and oh, that's wow. a pretty that's a good time that was like good I was impressed because some people have been talking like seven eight hours um this more on Twitter I checked this morning and the testing center was full for the day at 9 40 or something or 9 30 um and, and so An there hour? were people Pardon me. They were they were full in an hour for the whole day. Yeah, for the whole day. So somebody, and wow. it's not appointment based, right? Except if you're with kids, uh, the adults are lining up. So there are people in that line that are going to be standing there seven hours. You know, like, um, and it's 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 crazy. It's crazy town, but you got to do it because the alternative is self quarantine for fourteen days. Right. So so essentially, I mean, you know, so Jesse's so Jesse's working from home as well, or is she working in an office? We're both working from home. Yeah. So if you're both working from home, so the idea is basically because she has symptoms. I'm just trying to understand it because, again, like we're in a very different situation where if um, I guess if we were to have symptoms, we would go get tested. But in order the reason to get tested is so that the kids can can go back to school and daycare. Right. So you guys can correct work. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I understand. So kids, if we want to send the kids to school and daycare or if we want to take them to the park or walk them anywhere or let them out of the house, then we have to be tested. Right. And, um, and so that's, that's the, the challenge. And as soon as one of us has symptoms, I mean, uh, one of the four of us, I mean, like, then, then we have to go through this and then we got to, you know, wait for the results. And I just, I just don't see how it's for, for sustainable, like, uh, with, with the two jobs. And even if it's not the same parent that is off work or, but like, if one of the parents is sick and can literally not childcare as well, then it's, it's just it's just a lot it's it's messy and we're in a spot where we both work protected unionized jobs that are well supported well and and understanding management and all this and most people are not in that situation and i really do feel bad for them um and so yeah i just enough about that uh, as much to say is that um it's things are getting getting a little worse more sort of anxiety ridden around uh around these parts and i know that it's 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 well worse in the united states where they're they're piling issue upon issue upon issue uh, on themselves. So I just want to say that I totally recognize that people are struggling out there and that uh, it's, it's a tough time and hopefully things will turn a corner soon yeah. for the better. No, I, I, I agree. And, and uh, you know, I, I can only imagine like we get frustrated here when we hear and see of people doing, you know, just again, like going against, you know, health regulations. And I can only imagine with what you're going through, how 
audibly frustrated you you probably get when you see the stories going around of, of people oh yeah those parties and my my wife just gets livid and oh. i i can't say i can't say i blame her but the city is cracking down pretty hard so you know good uh but 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 it is yeah you're right it is very frustrating for sure. i i just i think like you know a lot of people will will squawk about you know thousand dollar tickets now they're saying like they can give out like can give up to a hundred thousand dollar ticket if someone is doing something greatly inappropriate in terms of having like maybe organizing a a large party of some kind um but it's just i think that's what it's going to take to convince some folks in that like yeah i think these the ticket people i i 100 agree like if you want to take the risk even if you're having a baby shower or a housewarming party like you you have to follow these these guidelines so that we can get to a vaccine without uh without causing all of this uh all of this nonsense but um yeah no it's uh it's such a frustrating time sometimes let's and and let us move on to the mm-hmm. things that make us not frustrated let's go straight into the dungeons and so we can relieve some of this this frustration by talking about the fun things uh that we've got we've got going on i will i will go first ryan good uh, I have finished Ghost of Tsushima, which is a, a PS4 game that released in the summer. So for all of you keeping score, if you map the date of the release of Ghost of Tsushima on a calendar, uh, I bought it maybe the week after it was released. This is around how long it takes somebody with two kids uh, to finish a game like this uh, if they're playing it quite often. So uh, we are now in end of September. So took few, quite a few months. I got a good time out of it. And that game just gets like, I remember my first impressions even on this show was that, oh yeah, it's, it's good. But you know, I've seen it all before. It's like very similar, has a good combat system, but so-and-so story is uh, whatever. But the story gets way better as it goes on. It just increasingly grows um and, and uh the end is very very strong um and i wanted to see it through uh the gameplay gets very very fun as you add these abilities and i i know i mentioned um early on when talking about this game that you're sort of like you're playing this character who's struggling between this code uh samurai code where, where this code of honor and you get shamed early in the game by the game and like through flashbacks of your your uncle and others about about using certain abilities like if you're using the stealth path that assassin's creed is famous for sneaking around and distracting dudes and taking them out well you will you will be made to feel bad about that and that really annoyed me but at one point that all drops away and it's all part of the narrative and it all it all all the abilities come together much better and you feel better about playing the game and everything just fits together well and then the story flows flows together well and there's so much content um that yeah no i i I really really enjoy the game it is not like revolutionary in anything that it does like it's not trying anything that we haven't really seen before it just does everything that it's trying to do very well so uh yeah a big recommend on that one cool well i'm glad you you were able to finish it it was kind of the game that i picked up i think i picked it up in august just to kind of have something to sort of poke away at um on the ps4 until uh until i decided to upgrade essentially probably what would have been 
outside of Avengers, the last PS4 game to to actually pick up and play. Um, so I'm glad you finished it. I, I do intend to go back to it because I think I'm pretty much done with Avengers now. Um, I, yeah, I would just say if you do finish it, I would like to do spoiler cast on that sure. one because this story is worth discussing. I would very much like to to discuss some of the narrative choices they made, some of the things that they did, how they pulled the rug out from under me a couple of times. I thought it was really well done. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and the ending, there's a discussion point, uh, there as well, not to spoil anything, but if you do see it through the end, I would like to do that. And in your list of games for the PS4, I understand you're right. Ghost of Tsushima technically is the last big release, but now they've announced that, uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales is also coming to the PS4. You did call um, it. Yes. <laughs> which I totally called because why the hell not? Um, and, uh, I'm glad to see that and we'll, we'll also, nicely delay my purchase of a ps5 yeah um, we haven't so, really talked uh, about that yeah no anyway i was just the thing the thing about that is is that um like these games i've never quite seen this before but you know that ghost of tsushima is probably going to have like some sort of ps5 remastered edition just as all these other games cross-generation games are having these sort of two two versions and so uh it is very interesting because miles morales is being billed as a um ps5 game but really to me it is a ps4 game uh that is just you know that they're billing as a ps5 game whereas ghost of tsushima also a ps4 game but but it will for sure have a revised uh edition on on ps5 as well i expect we'll be getting some ps you know some ps4 games well into the ps5 life cycle i wouldn't be surprised if there's there's still more to come yeah. Oh no. I I think that with the recent announcement of um Sony having these PS5 games be also on the PS4. Like honestly when you said Miles Morales it's like, "Hey, yeah, it seems like a stretch because normally Sony in previous generations, many console manufacturers, they make a clean break. They release that new console and whatever comes out on it shall not touch the past." But I think Microsoft may have forced their hand a little bit in in that they were leading a strong charge for the last two years, which could have really pushed Sony to make that change. I mean, honestly, it would not surprise me if Miles Morales was sort of being built in tandem and maybe have had been targeted at a PS4 and and would have been the swan song for PS4 because it is like an expansion game. But releasing it on PS5 and giving the PS5 a solid launch game... Uh, is a smart move but I, I think for me and you as you said like it it allows me to hold off on the ps5 and and honestly i am so stoked for skipping the rat race this holiday with yeah, uh, the two new consoles i'm so used to just pre-ordering one of them yeah. and like going at an ungodly time to pick it up and playing like literally like what game like the only fantavision yeah like seriously the only launched titles that have been really worth playing are nintendo properties like and those are even few and far between i mean you've got breath of the wild is a great example but the wii was twilight princess um the wii was strong it had wii sports and Mm -hmm. twilight princess which i and then uh, i'm not sure if the wii u had a big i think the wii u was not it had (laughs) It had Nintendo Land or whatever. It had a couple of, but no, you're right. Nintendo is the one that generally does these things. Um, the first party Sony and Microsoft Studios don't really, 
you know, normally get their shit together, as Halo could attest to this cycle. Yeah. Uh, to 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 release a day and date with with the new console. Um, I think that uh, I think um, you know, Cyberpunk is clearly the big game of this year, and people are going to be looking to play it on the in the best way that they can possibly play it. But I think the version that's being released is a, is a native PS4 Xbox one version. Yes, there will likely be a better upgraded version, uh, but it won't be available for a while following the launch of these new systems. So I am also going to avoid the rat race. The other thing too, is like, I got a PS4 pro. It feels like not that long ago. And mm. when I got it, I had finished Spider-Man already on my OG playstation and when i put P- um the spider-man on my 4k tv spider-man uh the original you know game with the ps4 pro and i played it and i look at it uh and i'm like man this game looks amazing like what is i'm like why do i need a ps5 and i know people be like well it's got ray tracing and all of this stuff and i'm like (laughs) yeah people sound like yeah that's very possible but like honestly on my 4k tv that i can i have never felt that like i'm playing ghost of chushima and i'm I'm looking at i'm like yeah these graphics could be better you know like that's that's not what i'm thinking i'm thinking like this game looks amazing and yes i do recognize like there's a lot of stuff that they do to hide the loading and to to to, uh, to squeeze every ounce of juice out of these systems but spider-man in particular i played a, a game that i loved running on my ps4 pro in silky smooth um i'll get the miles morales game and i'll play it and i won't at any point playing that game being like oh this is a really crappy version of this game like there's no chance that'll happen it'll just be a great experience because mm-hmm. it's an expansion to the uh to the existing spider-man game so anyway i'm just glad i'm also glad to your point ryan that i don't have to to rush out and uh and get it get a new system i'm looking forward to eventually getting um a new system but there has to be something there to warrant me getting one and i'll be honest with the the purchase of uh, the xbox purchase of bethesda this past week which holy shit um i uh i i I have like been thinking harder about, you know, the Xbox series and, and all of this as well, like in game pass and, and um, you know, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to, I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I eventually do buy um, a system. It's not as clear as it used to be. I think, you know, when you look at the PS5 situation and you look at 2021, um, I, I am now treating the PlayStation offering the same way I treat Nintendo. Like I am buying this box for first party exclusive titles the spider-mans the god of wars the horizons of the world i know horizon uh, forbidden west was announced for the ps4 as well this was not just miles morales it was a it was a it was a 2021 sort of promise for like launch yeah. window games oh. I'm sorry, Ryan. I yeah. forgot about that. Horizon, there's a Horizon Two is also on. That's crazy. Keep going. Sorry. Oh, it is, and you're right. Absolutely, it is. It is crazy to me that this is happening. But um, I think what I need, and that's why I'm holding off. Is like Spider-Man will be an interesting experiment. Where is it going to be out of sight, out of mind? And then if I don't see Miles Morales running on a PS5, I'm I'm not going to be tempted to buy it. But if I buy it digitally on my PS4, it's a an immediate seamless upgrade on the ps5 when i get it eventually uh but i think where it's really gonna be tested is with forbidden west i loved horizon i 
I'm tempted to buy it again on PC just to play it again at a higher fidelity and a faster frame rate. Um, although I might just boot it up on my Pro because, like you, I've there are games that I loved on the PS4 original that I haven't experienced on the Pro. But if you look at the PS5 and the jump to that, I'm wondering, like, okay, Miles Morales, that's more or less a game that was targeting the PS4 but was bumped up for the PS5 with new technologies like you know, 60 frames per second and 4K this and 120 that. But is Horizon Forbidden West, like, is that, you know, there's talk that that's targeting PS5 and could possibly be ported down to the PS4, maybe even by a different studio. So until we know more about that situation, that'll be a sort of a decision point for me. And I think Horizon Forbidden West will be the point in which I buy a PS5 because I'm just at this point looking to avoid the pre-order madness and just be able to get one at my own convenience right because i and with some games like i'm fine playing miles morales on the ps4 um but when when horizon comes out i do want to play that on the best uh offering possible right because i know i'm going to want to play god of war when it launches in 2021 we haven't been told whether that's ps4 as well but if it's late 2021 i could see sony like cutting that you know so um it, but the Series X, like where the Series X is really attractive is uh, the subscription offering. Um, the fact that you can pick one up for like, in the States at least, we don't know the Canadian pricing because EB Games hasn't given that to us yet. Uh, we we can pick one up for like 50 bucks a month for two years and that includes Game Pass Ultimate. So you get the Series X, Game Pass Ultimate, you pay 50 bucks a year for two years. That's a great deal. It, you actually save money in that in that run you're right on about that, that like the package and the prices. So the other thing I'm struggling with is like, there's been all these new video cards that have been released. And I just think like, well, maybe I should, I should just like, you know, double down on my PC, get a way to get all this stuff onto my TV. And and that should be the investment that I make for <sighs> me. Everything is around cyberpunk. That is the game that I care the most about. I really am looking forward to it and I'd like to play it in the best way possible. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a, good good sense of uh what the best play is for that i think anyway. for cyberpunk for me like i've had games that i've been interested in and started playing on like with game pass ultimate like i uh it was um outer worlds and i'm like oh i i want to play it on my 4k tv with my 4k system so i'll get it i'll play it on the xbox one x and i started and i they don't have cross save so i got far enough in where i'm like i don't want to start over but I kind of it's a PC game like a shooter it feels kind of clunky on the on the on the controller. So when I think of Cyberpunk 2077, I, I think that's a PC game for me just in the, in the type of game it is. It's a first person shooter, a lot of text, heavy sort of like systems. So I'm like, "Ah, eh, I want to play that on PC. My system might not be able to run it like it's not going to be able to run it at top gear, but I'm hoping for like high medium high you know, in terms of yeah. the settings. But uh, those new graphics cards are mighty, mighty tempting in the sense that they're kind of a, a really great way to future-proof your build in that if you were to buy, say, a 3070, which is usually where I go, the middle ground, um, and it keeps it under $1,000, uh, the 3070, you know, offers you the ability to buy the video card now, then upgrade the whole computer down the road and just rip the carefully take the video card out and put it in the new build. Cause like right now my system, it's kind of at its half, you know, 
halfway point. You know, it's a, uh, it's, it's all downhill from here <laughs> for that system. Uh, especially like the aging parts, like the CPU and, and, uh, the, the Ram, right? So, but, uh, buying a video card, I, I think that's a good deal. But I think for me, there's only few of those games that come out. Um, the rest are perfectly capable of being played on a console for my, for my tastes. I know not everyone's tastes. So when I look at the Series X, like I'm thinking maybe next spring, next summer-ish will be a good time, but it all comes down to games as well. Like with Halo Infinite delayed, there's really no reason to pick up a, a Series X until but Again, until like Halo... Halo Infinite's going to be on PC day and date, isn't it? It it will be, but it but then it comes right down to and and I I planned on playing it on PC. It's same thing with Miles Morales. I will happily test it out on the hardware I have because Microsoft is giving me that chance. So I'm I'm going to do it to see if I can save some money, but it's kind of inevitable like am I going to spend thousands of dollars upgrading the computer or am I going to sub for 50 bucks a month and get a Series X? Like I think a Series X is more likely than dropping a thousand bucks on a new video card, let alone building up the rest of the computer. It's just, I'm, I'm a console guy. Like, I, I like consoles. I like putting the disc in, I like downloading the thing, turning it on, not having to worry about just all the computer stuff. I don't know. I'm not a computer. I'm recording on a computer now and I'm, you know, praying to the gods that it doesn't hear this and decide to crap out. But I'm not a I'm not a tinkerer. And when we I will did, get you, Ryan Murphy. Yeah, when, you you use us for your podcasting. It's a Mac. They don't live. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but like the thing is, I'm not a tinkerer, but I will tinker. But I find when I when I have to tinker, like it, it eats away at my soul. Like I, I won't be able to do anything else until I've gotten it just so. And I hate it. I hate that. It just drives me insane. I will lose sleep. Ashley can attest to this. She will say like, yeah, Ryan's a little nutty when it comes to tinkering. And I, and I went through it with the 4K TV I got a couple years ago with the sound bar we got. Like, And it takes months for my brain to be like, I think we got it. We can move on, <laughs> you know? And I hate it so. So like, that's also where I'm like, I don't want to buy a new computer. I want to stay as far away from trying to build a new computer. Sign me up subscription to get a new console i'm all in you know i don't have to worry about it i don't have to tinker it worst case i have to make sure i have enough hard drive space happily uninstall a game that i played for a couple minutes you know i'm never going to go back to it uninstall so i don't know like i just maybe i'm yeah i'm a my brain i hate it sometimes that's all i'll say well i will say in defense of your your brain we're in a we're in a world now where comp- the line between consoles and computers is pretty nebulous but ryan we weren't always in that world and uh i i you know i can see that um that you've been watching the same sort of documentary that i just finished watching on netflix which is uh what's it called high score yeah uh it's yeah. the um and it's just it provides sort of an overview of of some of the 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 notable first years of the the video game industry it's funny just before i ask for your sort of read on this on this documentary i i just have to say when i saw it here that you you had watched it as well i i laughed a little bit because you know there is an age gap between us and i you know grew up at a different time and a lot of what I saw in the high score, which is only six episodes and covers kind of six major things I remember or was part of, you know, where, whereas I, I feel like almost all of it 
would be what I call pre-RM, pre-Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Um, and, and so it would be more like an, a historical oddity to you almost. So how did, what was your what was your takeaway? So yeah, like I think half of the presentation of high score relates to events that happened during my attention of of video games. So I would say like the Nintendo Sega episode was really the fervor of the beginning of my video game sort of uh yeah, enjoyment, you know. A little bit before that though, like the NES, like the story of the NES and Nintendo's rise uh in a in North America was was probably the real starting point. So I think there's a couple episodes before that. There's the, you know, Apple II stuff and the Atari stuff in terms of the death of uh, of video games in North America, like the crash in the 80s. That's, and th- this this is where it's interesting. Like, I know, I knew a, a lot about the video game industry, having been very invested in it for, for, you know, the last 25 years or so. And, but then there are these tidbits where both before my time and during my time that I'm learning things like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I think the early stuff is really well presented, and I love that this industry is so is so young that we can still interview these folks that were around when it when it began. There's obviously some gaps where where folks have passed away or have moved on to other industries and and didn't interview, but I really loved the candid look at Atari and the crash of the industry in the '80s. I thought that was the first time I'd seen it done in a way that was like not making fun of it, but also not taking it super seriously. Like there's this line they tread and it's not quite like, I think the last, one of the documentaries was the um, King of Kong or whatever, and kind of treated like arcades and stuff as this like silly thing. And there's these characters of of people who are playing video games. But I, I thought that the way they approached this documentary about the video game industry was really well done and narrated by uh, Charles Martinet, which is uh the voice of Mario, which I thought was fantastic. So it was, it was cool. But like, honestly, um, I, I stopped thinking about that almost immediately because oh, yeah. obviously he does not sound like Mario. He's not like doing Mario the whole time, which <laughs> would be hilarious. He's like, but, but it's, instead he's, he's very much professional, professional narrator has a great voice was, was great in that regard. I found that the, the, the six episodes totally worth watching, especially, um, for someone that 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 maybe kind of uh, not super into the video game industry, but kind of curious about it, 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 video game history, I found that there were some elements that were that were cringe a little bit in the way that it was was put together, uh, including um, there there was there were efforts to sort of dig dig out some of these trailblazers from be be it minority groups or or um, um, you know, the gentleman that went on the, the giant quest to find his game that was essentially what looked like um, a, a mod of uh, a game. Uh, and it was uh, it was about, uh, you know, uh, Pat Buchanan and, 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 and um, standing up for gay rights and all of this. I forget what the name of the game was, but. Oh, it was. I, uh, it was um, yeah, oh, that was a like, great portion. It was oh, there's a lot of cool little story. There's a lot of cool stories. The storytelling of the thing was very well done, but like the historical impact of a lot of those pieces was was notable. Was very uh, some of the pieces were notable, and some of them was really like it's more like a curio, I guess, for lack of a better term. So I I didn't think it was uniformly 
um, informative the whole time as much as it was uniformly entertaining the whole time. Like when they were t- talking about the Nintendo, remember the guy who was the Nintendo help guy, you know, and they were showing for people that would call in the phone number and they did this big sort of bit at the help, like, uh, calling the, the for Nintendo hints and stuff, which I remember seeing the ads in the magazine and the phone number was like 10 bucks a minute or something to talk to these game masters. But like, which is, I guess there's a curio there, but it's really not like, it's not teaching you much about the history of video games and seem kind of like, I don't know, kind of, kind of glossy and, and, and maybe unnecessary. The one thing Ryan that blew my mind, there was something that blew my mind in this documentary that I had never known before. And that um, it made me, it like, it was a piece of information that I had not, that had not like, gone into my mind and it felt like at the end of the sixth sense spoiler for a movie that is pretty old where you find out bruce willis is dead um and you're like oh my god and you rethink the whole movie you're like every you look at it all differently and you're like how did i not see this well there was something that happened in the last episode that was that for me and it was about my entire life practically in video games i looked at backwards and was like oh my god i had I had not recognized something was as big an innovation as it was. Do you have any idea what I'm going to say? No, no, I'm I'm curious. Okay, well, this is this is interesting because you wouldn't have been playing games at this point, or probably not PC games. I would imagine when Wolfenstein 3D came out, uh, but I did, and I got Wolfenstein off a of BBS, um, uh, which is a bu- electronic bulletin board, and. Uh, same same with doom i went to this camp at ottawa uh, carlton university called virtual ventures where we uh, networked a bunch of computers together and played land doom which blew my mind um but so i so all this to say i have a ton of experience with doom wolfenstein uh pc gaming around that time so it really like when they interviewed roberta and ken williams i was a huge fan of all those sierra games i played king's quest space quest gabriel knight you name it quest for glory i was all into that stuff um so uh but so i played a lot of pc games and a lot of shareware games which were these free games you could get and then uh, when john romero was sort of talking uh, about um the uh the fact that they they developed these these games and and, and uh, for free and for magazines and all of that they would often give you the first part of the game and then you had to pay for the rest. One thing that I had never realized, like never, even though I played these games all the time, I had never realized that they did not have scrolling. Um, so the 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 creation that uh, Carmack and Romero succeed to do with with wolfenstein is make computers scroll in the way that the nintendo entertainment system the nes this gray box of plastic that you connected to your tv that it could do um for years and years it was doing this for mario and all of this and it never occurred to me that all these games that i thought had amazing 256 color vga graphics none of them were fluidly scrolling you would get to the end of a screen and then the whole screen would shift over uh you know like that was how how they were made and uh and when when i realized that it re it repositioned all my youth in terms of like i used to look down on the nes as having kind of crappier graphics my friends had had it i'm like oh that's too bad they don't have a a computer that can 
you know, display all this stuff, all these colors and all of this stuff. But in the end, their little gray box was actually more impressive in many ways. It was doing something, just that side scrolling that my my big computer could not do. So it was like a, when I saw that and I was watching the show and they explained it very well, I, my mind just blew. I was like, I can't believe I never noticed that. It's true. I, they even showed clips from these old games that many of which I remember playing to display the effect. And I was like, yes, that is what used to happen. You know, even the Mario ripoffs on PC, you would get to the end. It wouldn't scroll. It would just move over. So, uh, yeah, anyway, very Weird. interesting to me. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in, in the night. It's, it's well produced. And I think your recommendation that if you have a passing interest or a passing curiosity in the video game industry, this is a really good six-parter to watch. Um, I'm looking forward to checking out i there's a book called console wars which focuses in on the micro or the nintendo sega stuff in the 90s and um it was adapted into a documentary for i think cbs all access so i don't know if it's available here in canada but i'm gonna see if i can get my hands on it because it's um exec produced by uh oh seth rogan and his yeah his buddy goldberg yeah thank you so that came out, I think, just a couple days ago. So if you're in the States, you can check that out on CBS All Access. And that expands upon the one 30-minute episode that High Score has on that sort of conflict. Uh, but it's what I found really interesting as I was watching sort of the, the Nintendo Sega episode is I knew they had a spat. But for me, like, Sega was always second in my mind because, like, we were a Nintendo household we knew people had Sega and it was always foreign to me. Like these were back in the days where these systems were very expensive. They were being purchased by parents for a majority did not know or understand video games. So they were buying them for their kids because their kids asked for them. So owning two consoles being purchased, being provided by parents that weren't as invested nowadays, like when our kids are old enough to ask for a system, it's going to be like, yeah, sweet. We can play. Um, or we already have it. Uh, it's it was interesting to see the way Sega approached battling Nintendo and then the way place or Sony did it uh in in the next generation with the N64 obviously Sony had a leg up hardware wise uh, similar to what Sega had but it was they kind of employed the same tactics like they had a mascot that they would use to make fun of Nintendo I re- I remember clearly the Crash Bandicoot commercials where he would he would be making fun of Mario and like literally, um, you know, calling out Nintendo in the commercials. It, like, it's just crazy how these companies use like kind of the same playbooks over and over again. Some, some of them are successful and some of them are not. Obviously, Sega having, you know, done well in the Genesis age, but but quickly uh, tumbled after that for various reasons. It's and, yeah. and that's the other thing Like this documentary doesn't cover all of video games. It It closes out the chapter right around that late like tail end of the super nes like midnight yeah it chose it, it wasn't like they presented it chrono- chronologically but who knows like if there's more consoles wars it could be anywhere uh, more console wars more high score it could be any part of video game history i definitely would have liked to have seen more on sierra like uh, that's a personal thing uh for me and i was a little disappointed that it really just focused on the the first mystery house the first um game that they they uh, made but console wars the documentary i am a little bit curious in uh but just because i own the book by blake j harris console wars and i could not get into it and uh it the 
opener of the book is written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. And um, then I started reading the book. And oh, my God, it, the way it is written, it is written because it it is obviously uh, I had just read Jason Schreier's book about um, about uh, the development of multiple recent video games. Uh, uh, oh, geez, I forget what it's called off the top of my head, but it is excellent. And then I switched to this and it was a hard investigative book to this book, which was a fic, like bare, almost a fictionalized take. So the the book is written, you know, from the point of view of real people, but it's not those people um, writing it. It's like you know, this guy, um, this this famous producer or whatever who used to work for Mattel, who ends up working from Sega. Like he's at the beach, and they show they show this in high score as well. He's at the beach with his family, and then this this uh, got head honcho from Sega comes to headhunt him. And the way the book is written is just like I I could see a shadow being cast over my body, and all of this. And I looked up and I saw, you know, uh, it was so and so. It was not written in the first person. It's written, but it it's it's written in such a way that it takes so much liberties with what the person must be thinking. It, it it's almost fiction, you know. Like, and I just I could not get into it, especially after Jason Schreier's book that was very factual and very. This is what happened. I interviewed this person and whatever. It was really like it's. It tries to write it like a novel with fiction, you know, and and so maybe the documentary will hold up much better than the book. But I found the book was not. I just couldn't read it. I was just like, I I own it. I got like three chapters in and I was like, I can't do this. This is it. It it also felt like an unreliable narrator. It felt like I couldn't trust any of the information because how does he know like sweat drip down the brow of so-and-so, you know, like he doesn't know that he's just adding it for color. Right. Like, so anyway, that's my rant on console wars. Well, yeah, that sounds, that sounds like it would be less, it'd be even more, um, sort of cartoonized than than high and high score was very they played it up like but i think they played a good balance and i agree i, I would have liked to see more of the the old school stuff just because i don't know a lot about it i know the bare minimum like the basics but um anything pre personal like traditional personal computer like windows gosh i remember, I had a windows 3.1 but that was more like a novelty like oh look what i can do but it was like windows 95 when it started to be you know really something 95 or 98 i can't or xp not xp i think it was 95 when we had like actual games on the computer but um i remember a friend had an apple too and that was like it was wild like loading things off of a floppy or something um but that was that was uh that was during the nes times that we were I was playing around with it, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, and before we like move on to the next topic, I'm just curious, like really quickly, this is something we've been dealing with. And like, speaking of my brain and how it kind of latches onto things. Um, do you have, do you have cable? Do you pay for traditional cable or do you just use your streaming services? Not only do I not pay for traditional cable, but I have not paid for traditional cable for over 10 years now. We realized this the other day uh, that wow. it's been 10 years since we've cut the cord, which is crazy. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So here's where I'm at. Um, this during, the, you know, in the pandemic, a lot of shows that we would traditionally watch on traditional cable are, have gone into either hiatus or been, you know, canceled early. Uh, I don't think we'll be able to cut the cord you know, completely having like all the AMC stuff in Canada requiring a cable connection. So all the walking dead stuff 
that I watch for Zamp and and still enjoy to a certain extent. Um, that's fine. But like we were looking at our cable bill and we were we had we were like um, headhunted by Bell. They came door to door and they offered us like this crazy deal for like half price internet and TV. So like yeah, we'll switch from Kojiko, no problem. They even paid our cancellation fee, which was which was nice. And they waive a bunch of other stuff. But um, so we have. We have five, we have fiber internet, which is great. But then with cable, they signed us up for like the good package, quote unquote. And um, now in Canada, they have like the starter package, which is like mandated by the CRTC to have like a, a basic bundle of channels available at $20 a month. And I was looking at our channels and I'm thinking, I said to Ashley, like, I don't think we record any shows because we're so busy. We don't watch live TV. Like it's all PVR'd. Um, which basically emulates a streaming a streaming service and we re- I went through and I realized like we're not recording anything on these premium channels outside of AMC which which is an added additional a la carte channel so I said I, I was like I want, I'm going to call Bell and see what it would cost me to just switch down to the starter package like you lose a bunch of your promos but it was such a savings that we still save money even though we lost like $25 in promotional credit um, but I said to Ashley, like, well, how long is it going to be? Like, is it going to be another year? And we, I want to cut it. The reason I didn't cut it is because I didn't want to realize I needed it and then have to go back to Bell and get a receiver and get the programming and stuff and then have to pay a bunch of more money than I'm paying now. Uh, so it's like I'm paying to have it sit there for the luxury of not having to pay more when I actually needed it. Does that make sense? I feel so silly for doing it because I know between like Crave, I, Netflix, Amazon, yeah. Disney Plus, like we are set. Like I've got a queue of shows that are quality no, stuff. Like I, I'm sitting here. Do you feeling watch like sports? A, no, I I do not watch sports. So sports was the the last thing that like for me it was difficult. It was like okay, I was into hockey, um, and uh, I was looking at packages and the NHL had Game Pass and all of this. That was just that was the sort of the decider for me to cut the cord. Um, but but honestly, if you don't if you don't have hockey or if you don't have if you're not following live sports, the only time that I've been very frustrated about cutting the cord is when the Olympics come on. Oh. And then I'm like, oh, geez, it's always a pain to figure out how to watch all the events, but it's just gotten better and better. And now it's at the point I don't think it's even it would even be an issue. Um, so I would just say, though, like you do what works. Uh, it's a big it's a big lifestyle shift. And it is something that, um, you know, you've you've cut down a bit and then maybe next step is cutting entirely. But you don't have to do everything at once. I just will say that once it's gone, um you know, it, it makes you think more about like your time. You're not just going to put on a show. And I, one thing I recognize now is that how, how I just like commercials are almost like so foreign to me now. I never watch them. I, I spent so much of my time watching commercials and, uh, you know, with ad blockers and DuckDuckGo and all of that sort of stuff. I see less and less ads and it's just, you know, it, it's refreshing. Uh, so much so that when I go to the movie theater and they play like eight ads between movies, this was, <laughs> back in before the COVID times um it was it's very noticeable to me because i'm just like oh my god what it, what is this car commercials you know just crazy so whatever i at your own pace you'll you'll get rid of it when you when you you absolutely need to but i i will say that for me uh it's been a no regret situation i'm glad i got rid of it yeah like i think i think the 
streaming services are getting there. I know Amazon offers like a channels sort of option where they have like a, I've been looking at it. It's like a bundle of channels for like twelve ninety nine a month or something. And, it, and, and with your prime service and it adds to video like global and a bunch of other like channels like history and all that and YTV and Teletoon. So again, it would give you on demand access to a lot of stuff. But like we were watching like one of our we were looking forward to, to shows coming back. There's two shows that I can really remember uh, on traditional cable that I re- that I really like. We for some reason, Ashley and I both got really into the rookie with Nathan Fillion. It's actually surprisingly good for a procedural cop show. And uh, and and the other one was Single Parents, which was a, a comedy about a group of single parents who, um, you know, uh, form a support group to to help take care of their kids. And um, that one got canceled. And when I found that out, I was like, man, like, if we just don't pick up more network shows, we're going to be good to just cut the cable. Like, Ashley watches Big Brother, but it's available on demand through this, like, Slack TV thing on Amazon. So I think you're right. Like, we're a year away. And I think once AMC, for me, once AMC offers sort of an on-demand without a cable subscription in Canada, like, I'm good because I'll get my Better Call Saul. I'll get you know, my walking dead and all that fun stuff. So, and even then, if I really wanted, if I wasn't doing the show or wasn't watching the content for a podcast, I could just wait till it comes out till Netflix. Cause I am so far behind on that stuff anyways. Um, so I don't know. It just had me thinking maybe next, this time next year, we'll be talking about cutting the cord. I want to, because I don't watch TV. Like I literally just plugged the box back in to the TV. So Ashley could watch, uh, her PVR big brother. I don't have any, there's literally no shows on the horizon that are coming back, right? Like everything's on hold. So yeah, now's the time. It's going to be a big shift. Yeah, for sure. Um, So Ryan, uh, we are going to now head into the uh, diaper section. But before we do, I think uh, you wanted to do a, a little thing. So we got a bit of a special segment here uh, for Extra Life. I am I'm doing Extra Life this year. Uh, Twenty dollar donation, and in the name of Dungeons and Diapers to myself, and I will watch the first episode of a kids TV show and review it right here on the podcast Dungeons and Diapers. You can go to bit.ly/slash/extra-life-ryan to make the donation. It goes to Sick Kids. They were really looking for donations now in these these COVID times, so it's a great chance to support. And uh, I wanted to give everyone a taste. Uh, Crofton and I wanted to give a taste of what these kids' show reviews will be like. And Crofton, um, this week, I would like to introduce you to a little Netflix show called Naughty Toyland Detective. Have you seen this show before? Uh, Maybe, but it may have been a while. Is this the one with the teddy bears in the treehouse? No, it's a, it's like a, it's... It's Toyland type stuff. Very much reminds me of like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer type stuff. And but it's okay. It's, no, it's 3D animated, so it's a 3D animated show. There are two seasons on Netflix. There are 26 episodes in total. They're split into like each episode has two stories. Um, and I watched the first episode that had two stories. And and essentially how it boils down is uh, this is the. This is the IMDb description. Naughty turns detective, accompanied by his dog Bumpy and car revs. Already loving the names. Uh, Naughty travels to the four corners of Toyland to investigate mysteries. Big Ears and Clockhouse, Clockwork Mouse appear alongside new toys, Deltoid, Smartysaurus, and Pat Pat the Panda. So I'm getting a sense that this is a show 
based on I think it's based on a children's story, children's books. And um it's a 3D animated sort of Netflix Dreamworks sort of um thing. There's a bunch of these shows on Netflix. And uh, both my kids very much enjoy it. It's one of the only shows that Caden and Abigail will agree to watch together. Um, Paw Patrol doesn't really cut it anymore. This will hold both their attention um, when they're watching shows. So I watched the first episode, and to make things a little more interesting, and to bring Crofton in, because I'm, I'm not forcing him to watch these shows, I've got clips that we can run through, and it will kind of give you more of a taste of the show. So Crofton, are you ready for our first clip? I am, and I just want to say I do find this one particularly interesting because I I just assumed I would know all the shows or have had to have watched them, but in this case, I I don't know this one at all. So go ahead with your clip, Ryan. Yes. So, and you know, that being said, it's it's um it's really well put together. I think it's it's uh it's not it's not an educational show, but has a lot of interesting sort of lessons to teach. It's a very investigative show. Uh, there's usually a problem and they investigate and they solve the problem. There's a lot of problem solving usually boils down to someone apologizing and everyone happy at the very end. You know, there's a lot of that. And, uh, so here's the theme song. I'll play you the theme song just to give you a taste of what you can expect. Hey, I'm Nutty. It's Tom Nutty. Very jovial, you know. like some like jovial like uh, you know upbeat stuff and that really sets the tone of the show it keeps going from there i i can't help but i can't help to play the rest of it but um essentially how the the show starts you get your theme song and then it comes into the show everyone's really happy everyone's playing together and then something happens there's a problem that's presented and the only person in toyland that's able to solve the issue is of course uh naughty and his magic tablet so here's a clip of the problem arising in this episode, which happened to be related to a uh, weird obstacle course they're setting up, like a race where they have to get out of their cars and do something. So this is the issue. They had to cancel the race and everyone was really upset. News flash. Someone has broken the crystals. The race can take place. Grumpy face. Where did it happen? In the Daredale Caves, of course. So... This is another thing about the show. <laughs> Who just uh, said grumpy face? So I don't know what the guy's name is, but it's just this robot who has, um, he, he can walk around and stuff and he, and sometimes he's walking, sometimes he's got these wheels that he rolls on, but he, he will, uh, he, he has a face that changes like emoticons and it emotes. So as you heard there, there's a uh, grumpy face. I've also got, um, this one. This one. Worried face. This one. Crying face. Also this one. Sad face. And this Angry one. Angry face. And this okay, one. Okay, okay. Oh, that's not it at all. I, uh, <laughs> so that's... I, I feel like I wish my phone said that whenever, like, somebody texted me an emoticon or an emoji. Yeah. I, I, I wish it was like, you know, cucumber or whatever. <laughs> and and you know what? This this character will emote that way. We'll, we'll say... I If I captured everything that this person everything that that robot said because he will accentuate words too like not just emotions like um when there's a problem solved and he's like around his friends he'll be like friends or uh he'll actually do it for words so honestly yeah you could probably 
center an entire OS around this specific robot. Um, so anyways, the, the race gets canceled and, uh, that leads into, um, I think this is the clip. It leads into like essentially what, what the problem is. And Attention everyone, please go home. The race cannot start again until Naughty has completed his investigation. So until the, the investigation is complete, obviously everyone's really upset. And that leads into the fact that they need to investigate, which brings in the second theme song. So this is a two-theme song show. You heard the, the clip of the first one. This second one introduces the concept of, you know, uh, to kids, like who, what, where, when, and why. That's sort of the five W's. Um, and this theme song, both Caden and Abigail will just, they'll jam to. Like, they will sing word for word the whole t- the whole thing. And I've never seen them do this outside of this show. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, uh, it's a, it's a great tune. So I'll, I'll get, I'll play a little taste of it. So you, so you, but it's going to be stuck in your head. You're probably not going to be able to sleep tonight. I need to investigate who broke the crystal memory game. Time to open a new case. Investigate. Who? What? What? When? When? And it just goes on like that. So he, he, they just sing the five W's over, over and over again. It's actually quite annoying. I don't really need to know if they get to how. <laughs> I don't. Th- they probably do, honestly. And uh, we already played this one, but I'll play again. Warwick face. And <laughs> so after that theme song, they go on an investigation. It, it for some reason, it's solely Naughty's um, task to solve this problem, and. Uh, they go through a bunch of different, you know, he collects clues and then they go, they end up, he, he goes up to people and he starts confronting them and saying like, Hey, I found a clue that pointed to you. Did you do this? Like he straight up asks them. And, and, uh, I think this is, this is, this is, I, I just imagined him pushing them at the same time. Did you do it? Huh? Did you? Well, essentially like, yeah, that's pretty much what happens. Listen to this. Naughty's asking, bitch. It wasn't me, Naughty. I don't need to practice the game. It's easy, Saurus, to remember three shapes and put them in the right order. And obviously, the smarty Saurus is just throwing everyone under the bus. Hmm. I, Deltoid, need to mend my tri bike. Goodbye. Sorry, Skeptical face! <laughs> so, yeah, you're exactly right. In that sp- specific clip, like, Naughty starts by saying, You can tell me if you did. Yeah, like you can tell me if you did it. Don't worry, I won't. I won't get you in trouble. But then, uh, yeah, Deltoid, who is clearly the guilty party here, uh, just straight up says, "I must go now, back to my home planet." Um, is he like Mayor Humdinger? Is it always him who did it? No, I I think the the idea of this show is it kind of, from my experience of catching bits and bloops of it, is that it's always someone different that's that's been the problem. Um, I'm sure there's overlap where people are the issue um, in in different episodes, but in this case, yeah, Deltoid was uh, was the problem, and he's not a really good liar because when when Naughty kind of paints him into a corner, he he tries to get out of it, but he he doesn't do very well. So there, this is where that happens here. Hey, Deltoid! Naughty, good day. I love his voice too. Did it's you very, break the crystal uh, memory game? Did I, Deltoid, break the game? With my mighty strength, me, a hero? Hmm. Um, well, 
Yes, you see, last night I went there to practice. So again, he's not a great liar. He 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 falls down. He admits he admits his that he's he's done this. He sounds you know what he sounds like. He sounds like the guy from the uh, the IT crowd, uh, the boss, the first second boss, I think. I'm oh yeah, Matt Berry. Yeah, is the uh, yeah Matt Berry is the actor. Exactly, sounds like him. And so they. Like and this is I think this this is the pattern for every episode. Like they have the investigation, he finds a couple clues, he finds the person who did it. That person kind of, you know, skates around the issue but eventually comes around and essentially it was discovered that Deltoid couldn't figure out the the game and and uh and that led to him breaking it and he tried to he tried to just cover it up for some reason. Um and then this is where like some of the educational stuff comes into the into the game because they talk about or into the show because they talk about like shapes and stuff. So there's some pattern things here. You like, are a kind friend. So he said he's, he oh, didn't know the pattern. So something to help you remember. Like what? Like this. Star, triangle, square. You try. Star, square, triangle. So they do some pattern work there, uh which I think is I, I guess I would you would chalk that up to educational, right? So there's a little bit of it in the show, but it's mostly it's mostly flavor. It's there's not a lot of like strong educational stuff. But essentially, like uh, once it all once it's all done, the episode's coming to a wrap. They they do the case close. So there's like another sort of theme song at the end as well, which the kids get a kick of, and it's the sign off. It's the traditional. Yay, Paw Patrol, we did it type thing. Well done, Noddy. You saved the race. Thanks, Mr. Squeaks. And they do a little, they do a wrap-up of the, the uh, it was of everything they did. The missing piece. Then the race could begin again. Star, triangle, square. <laughs> and you showed Deltoid that it's all right to you get make the lesson, mistakes. So. I'm proud of you. Thanks, Mr. Squeaks. The case of the broken crystal memory game is closed. So, there's just one thing to do. We've solved all the clues. Case closed. And that's uh that's pretty much it. Like that's that's the structure of the show and kids really dig it. So I I, I think I think for your oldest, it could be it. Pro- it might be just outside of her age range, but Caden still digs it, so maybe it's still in there. But um, Abby loves it, so I think I I tried to ask them what they really loved about it, but I think it's like the combination of the toys. Clearly, these are toys, so like the way all the characters look, they're clearly toys, um, and I think that probably helps in terms of the enjoyment. But there's also like obviously this, which which I love. Which is great. Let me let me do like this. Angry face. That guy. He's the best. And he's the best. He is the best. Every time he does something, I just want to cap it. It's so good. Sad face. <laughs> so, anyways, that's uh, that's naughty. So, what do you give detective. it? What do you give it out of five? Uh, in terms on the on the kids show scale, like oh, you're not comparing it to Breaking Bad here. No. Although you know uh compared to there's a Bad. lot in common there's a lot yeah naughty is a troubled soul i would say that um on the kids show scale i would probably put it at a four in that it's probably up there with paw patrol in terms of it being somewhat annoying but having sort of a, a structure that is interesting at least like it has that repeatable structure like paw patrol but it's it's this investigative like problem solving right and 
I'd kind of put it above Paw Patrol in the sense that when there is this problem-solving moment in Paw Patrol, they don't really go in depth into the problem solving of it they kind of just happen to be they're like they're they're the paw patrol they're super pups right so they just kind of they're all good pups yeah they're all good pups and uh they save the day you know no no job too big no job too small that sort of thing um but in this case like he is like Naughty's actually doing investigating and the the actual second part to this episode which i didn't i i didn't cap anything from there outside of um some of the well, but this episode's like face. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> there's a second part, and uh, the second part is all about like Naughty being framed for something he hasn't done. So he has to like he has to literally solve the problem while being constantly accused of of being the culprit. So it's kind of uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, Man, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, no, so so three star, uh, four four stars. Sorry, I'd say I'd four say. from a kids' TV perspective. From like for your kids, I'd say four. From an adult perspective, in terms of like if you were forced to sit down and you you had to watch it with them, it's probably a like a two and a half. You know, like it's tolerable, but having to go through the whole episode was was kind of tough. Only made better by the fact that uh, that I could clip all grumpy this. face. Yeah pretty much <laughs> all right that wraps up ryan's first t- kids show review yeah yeah so if you can go to bit.ly slash extra life ryan certainly donate twenty dollars mention the the name of the kids show in the comments uh and we will cover it and also if you have feedback on the specific segment and you want to see some changes you have some pointers this is a test i just wanted to kind of give a, a taste of what i thought would be really cool but um, certainly let us know if you have uh, thoughts and feelings on the way the segment was produced. Give money to Extra Life, people. And so let's get into uh, changing uh, some of diapers, talking about some of the stuff that we are doing with our kids. Ryan, how was back to school for you guys? Oh, uh, interesting. So I know, I think even before we start talking, I know you and I are approaching this uh, differently. In that I am, we're doing remote learning for Caden. And he started JK, uh, junior kindergarten, um, this year, which is interesting. Remote learning for any grade is is interesting on a very, like a sliding scale. And I think for JK, you I was worried it was going to be like tablet babysitting. Like you were, you were putting the tablet in front of them. They were watching a teacher try to instruct and I had no idea how it was going to go, but really it, the options were send them to school, have the frustrations that you were describing at the top of the show. Like if one of us were to come down with a cold or he was to come down with a cold, um, it just made it, it made more sense because we're both home to just try the remote learning and not do homeschooling. Homeschooling was something that came up, but I said to Ashley, like, I'm not a, I'm not a kindergarten teacher. I think having a structure provided by the board and the teacher is just much easier for us. It's like that middle ground. And to the school board's uh, credit, they're being very f- flexible, especially, I don't know, for later grades. But for JK, it's it's such an optional grade that they're basically saying, like, if you don't want to come to the synchronous stuff, which is the on-camera stuff with the class, you don't have to. You can just do all the assignments and the asynchronous stuff, which is off-camera with just uh, just you and the family. So... We've been doing it for about a week, 
we wake up, uh, we get ready, bring Caden downstairs around 8.30. He has like a half hour intro where the teacher does some kindergarten stuff like songs and what's the weather. And it's all French immersion as well. So he's getting English and French, which is very interesting to see those building blocks start to, to take hold as he's like counting in English and then counting in French. And um, it's really, really neat to see. But But there are some frustrations as well and sort of like these these realizations especially the first couple days where Caden will put his hand up because he wants the teacher to pay attention and and call on him and the teacher won't see or the teacher has uh, as I said to him a bunch of other kids there's like 20 kids in the class and she's not calling on him and then he like I had to like kind of take him off camera a couple times because he would break out into tears because he's like you know she moved on without asking without calling on me to share because the teacher asks a question and I'm sure all the kids or a majority of the kids are putting their hands up and they only have so much time, but it's really disheartening to see. And I, and I, and I know Caden would love to be in class, but it's just, it's one of those things that we just, uh, we just could not do this season. Like it was, this just made the most sense to us. Um, but I know full well, he would, he would love being in class. Like he would, he would dig, um, having those interactions with the kids and the teacher and stuff. So it's, it's really hard um, from that aspect, but uh, he's been getting better. He's been getting used to it. And, you know, um, the assignments are really interesting to kind of uh, push us to do different creative things every day that aren't just going for a walk or, or playing tag or whatever outside or going on the on to the park, which is still necessary to, to have that like activity. But the remote learning is interesting. Um, it's very interesting, but we're getting to the point where Caden is able to like sit down. He can mute and unmute his own mic. He can pay attention to the teacher. He's engaging with the teacher. He understands the teacher has a bunch of people, a bunch of kids to worry about. So it, it, the teacher isn't always going to call on them. So it's, it's getting easier, but it's certainly been a, a, an interesting adjustment. It is interesting also because, you know, Gwen was in senior kindergarten when the whole COVID thing went down in March. And I remember um, her teacher saying, like, sort of in the write-up of the at the end of the year, saying, you know, virtual kindergarten was always going to be a, you know, not a failed experiment. What was the world words that she used? But the idea is that kindergarten is there to enable social behaviors. Um, between kids in their formative years like it's not to teach them math and whatever like it's really to get them to play and to interact and all of this and so it is very very hard um and i can only imagine the frustrations that caden's having as he's trying to get these sort of social connections going but then he's on you know like the kids are distant it's, it's over a tablet and that sort of thing um gwen on the other hand is starting grade one which is the first grade of real like i am learning now i am sitting at a desk instead of playing all the time um and that would have been a big change if it wasn't covid times and we knew that we wanted to send her back to school both in terms of like we feel that we were kind of at, at, at wit's end in terms of our our energy levels and we also felt that she wanted it. She she loves her school. Her school is quite small, and it's like this alternative school. And the parents were lucky. We're like, for lack of you know a better term, we live in a very affluent part of the city that we live in, and people take COVID very very seriously. And and we just 
had good feelings about the school. Parents have kept kids home to the tune of a school of 300 kids. Uh, only 100 are are actually going to school. 200 are being kept home, which is crazy. It means that going to class, which would normally be 30, is 15, which is perfect for us. Um, that's not to say things won't change in the next little while. She had a great first week. Just loved it. Uh, it always saddened me to hear like, oh yeah, you know, we're playing this tag game in the schoolyard where you run up, but you can't touch the other. So you just kind of point at them. And I was like, oh God, that's so depressing. Um, but, but she's telling me with a huge smile on her face, she's having a blast. And so that's great. But then this week, is, as I mentioned earlier, like we've kept her home most of the week because of her her mom being sick. And I just see this continuing and I see potentially, you know, on the horizon, schools getting shut down more. Anyway, I don't want to dwell on that sort of stuff, but because it's so great. It's been so great for the first time since March. Both my kids have been out of the house during the day. Like I've had like lunch hours where my wife and I can – go talk like adults or go out and it's just been it's been crazy uh really nice like have you guys had like have you and actually since the baby is being born at any time where where you did not have kids hanging from you well i will i will say this uh that since caden was born we have not had um time to to ourselves like just just ashley and i for our own purposes like we've we've gone to weddings we've we've gone on a, on date nights here and there um where someone has watched the kids babysitter family what have you but the last couple weekends uh actually the last month has marked the first time we've been able to have a semi weekend to ourselves obviously we still have isabel she she's still quite attached to uh mommy um in the sense that she requires <laughs> constant attention she's still a, very much a baby uh but with Caden and abigail they're old enough that we wanted to see lock if they them could... in the basement yeah no we did not do that um although we were getting close i think if our so their grandparents finally we we worked it out I, even during these covid times we we said to both sets of grandparents like hey if you because they're getting itchy. They, you know, they haven't seen the kids in a while. They haven't been able to hold the kids in a while and, and really interact with them outside of like a physical distancing slash mass scenario. So we said, if you guys self-isolate while practicing, you know, health regulations, like social distancing, wearing a mask, that sort of thing, we will be comfortable enough to <laughs> to let you take the kids for a weekend. Um, and in my mind is like, there's no way this is going to work. But it totally did for both sets of grandparents. So since we last recorded, um, we've we've been able to have a couple of these uh, these weekend getaways, and we started out slow. Like Ashley's parents are are just technically down the road, um, where we we started we we let them take Caden for a night, and then we let them take Abby for the night afterwards, just to kind of see how they would do. So we had a couple of days where. It was just one kid and, and even going from three down to one and, and, it, and, and that baby, that kid being a baby, like that's even, that is a welcome change in the sense that when Isabel goes down for a nap, it's like, it's so quiet. Like, what do we, we don't have to yell at anyone to be quiet. Yeah. We can do whatever <laughs> we want. Um, yeah. I think <laughs> to a certain point, like Ashley was, was getting kind of bored and I'm, I'm sitting there I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go play Avengers. I'm going to, I'm going to go play video games that. 10 in the morning this is great 
uh, and play whatever that, I want for that matter. <laughs> you know what? That explained it. I was, I, I forget what I was doing, yeah. but I was on like the computer briefly. I think I was at work. I, I don't remember, but there was like a pop-up on Steam and it's like Ryan Murphy is playing Kingdoms of Amalur or something like that. And it was like 10 o'clock or it was like, you know, I, I, 10 30 in the morning or something i'm like what is what's what's his kids doing you know like, what's going what's going on here they were either in the uh, basement or they were at their grandparents yeah. but uh-huh. uh it, it went really well like they uh i think abby had a couple of moments where she wanted she wanted mommy but it was in a couple of moments where she was she was crying but really like they just kind of let her have her space and she was fine they both really enjoyed it and then the second weekend, uh, again, my parents, we were able to get them to self-isolate and, and really, like, to say, hey, could you just stay, like, practice physical distancing with these people who aren't following, you know, uh, government guidelines to, to protect against COVID? And they're like, yeah, we'll try, but we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it if we get to have the kids. And they, I, Friday after school, um, I said to Caden, once you get all your homework done, I'm going to drive you out to my parents and they live about an hour and a half away. So it was quite a distance. And I got there, I dropped the kids off, got them settled. And, and I went back to Peterborough and uh, my parents drove up a couple days later with the kids. They had a blast, you know, and, and I grew up on a farm. So they got to see all the animals. I got to see the cows and the chickens and the turkeys. And they just had such a great time. And again, it was another weekend. And I get, it took four years to get to this point where we've been able to, you know, ship the kids out. Like, I don't know. Like I don't know about your childhood or whatever, but I I feel like with with my childhood we had there was that opportunity to say like, okay, I'm going to drop you off at grandma's. You're going to spend some time there and give us a bit of a break. Like both Ashley and I had that experience when we were kids. We hadn't had that yet with ours, and rightfully so. Like up until maybe the last year or so, they haven't been the most you know independent kids. Like they're still in diapers. They still want to come. They want to be at home. They're more comfortable there. But Caden's at an age where he is he is at the point where he wants to go to the yeah and and like we were having conversations just right up to recently about gwen who is you know should very much like she's six you know she should totally be staying over at grand's uh, um and uh my big thing was my mom would just not get a hearing aid and that was driving me goddamn nuts i was <laughs> like i'm not leaving my kids with you if you can't hear them um but she has a hearing aid and everything, you know, everything was lining up for Gwen to do a sleepover at her place. And we were like, Oh, this is going to be great. And then the numbers have shot up and you know, she's older. And anyway, it's, it's, it's too bad. I I'm looking forward to that, uh, to that time uh, as well. I think it will be so great. Like we have microcosms of it during the lunch hour where it's just my wife and I, and we're like, wow, this is so quiet. Like we can talk about anything, not get interrupted, pick up stuff and not have it immediately get destroyed. Yeah. It, it, it's really, um, really nice for sure. So I'm glad that you guys got that. Um, I just want to, in, in no particular order, I wanted to mention just one last video gamey thing, which is, um, uh, that I was like, uh, as as many people were probably when Nintendo released their uh, Mario All Stars this past week, I was hovering over the purchase button, uh, thinking to myself that I am the world's biggest sucker, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I was like, ah, do I 
do I buy this thing? For those of you who may have missed it, it's three Mario games, um, three 3D Mario games, Mario Galaxy, Mario Sunshine, and Mario 64 in one package with pretty much that's it and their soundtracks, whatever. Um, and they're charging, you know, $79.99 Canadian. It comes to 90 bucks with tax, same as a new game or whatever. Um, I own two of those three games. I have Mario 64 on Nintendo 64, and I have Mario Galaxy. I actually never played Mario Sunshine, um, but I also was never really interested in playing Mario Sunshine. But that was before I had kids. And Mario has been so great for like, we just finished paper Mario, Gwen and I, and she loves Mario. Um, and I was, I was just like, you know, I, Mario galaxy, I know would be a great hit. Um, maybe I should get it or maybe I should just connect my Wii. So that's what I decided to do. So I went out to try to find my Wii controllers in 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 a bunch of boxes and I was pulling through junk and I was like, okay, my Wii U is connected. So I, I knew I could play it in the Wii U. I just had to find the, the Wii motes with the thing. And I knew they were in a box somewhere and I started digging and I was pulling out boxes and then I dropped one of them on my foot and started swearing and was like, God damn it. And th then I was like, you know what? Screw it. And then I sat down and I bought the Mario All-Stars collection. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I impulse bought it at that point. I was like, I'm not going to screw you, Wiimotes. I'm never going to use you again. I'm going to play this thing instead. And uh, so I felt like a sucker for a brief moment. Um, uh, but then uh, I started, we started playing Mario Galaxy and oh damn, that is a good game. Not only is it a good game, it looks sweet in mm. HD. Like honestly, we had just been, while we were waiting for it to download, we were playing Mario Odyssey, uh, which is also a really good game. And Mario Galaxy compares like really favorably graphically to Mario Odyssey. Um, and I'm not sure what they did to HD it up, but it was definitely, it definitely looked very, very nice. And yeah, so we're really like, we're really into Mario Galaxy right now. As I play it longer, I recognize that the controls and the camera are not ideal and sometimes very frustrating, uh, especially compared to Odyssey. Like it, it's clearly not as recent a game, but at the same time, it's still a very, very good game. And it has a co-op mode. It was one of the first Nintendo games that I think had that, like the co-star mode that allows Gwen to sort of point one of the Joy-Cons and do a lot of things. Not as much as when she's the hat in Mario Odyssey, but a lot anyway. It's a good one. I totally recommend it. Did you buy Mario All-Stars? Oh, of course. Yeah, I... Um, Sucker. The thing is, here's the thing. Nintendo, we... Actually, funny enough, the last couple months on the Gamers Inn, we've been talking about remasters. We played uh, Destroy All Humans, which was, I think, a game similar to Sunshine that came out on a, a platform or a generation that needed a bump like it was xbox type stuff it needed more than just a bump and it got i think a proper remaster and brought it up to 2020 but then you look at kingdoms of amalur that we talked about that's just a straight up upper as similar to what they've done with this all-star collection like there's been a bit of work done i think the most work goes into the galaxy game where they are referencing handheld mode for, for sort of collecting star bits. Um, but outside of that, like galaxy remains sort of unchanged and same with uh, super Mario 64. I mean, I'm sure it looks better on the switch than it does on the, on the original consoles, but I'm as an, Nintendo it looks fan, way, 
it looks way better. Not not just the uh, not just Galaxy. The only other one I tried because I, I haven't played Sunshine yet. I, I I decided when Gwen was sleeping, I'm like, ah, I'll check out what 64 looks like. Now I have played a lot of 64 in my days, like not just Mario 64. I mean 64 games, and I will tell you, they don't look great. They hold up very poorly. And I've played some recently. We pulled out ocarina of time i bought ocarina of time to play it with gwen i think i talked about it on this show on the wii u virtual shop and so we were playing like the nintendo 64 ocarina of time and it looks rough like your (sighs) eyes are like oh god i'm looking at soup but mario 64 whatever they did like makes it made it very sharp like very sharp and easy to look at like i'm playing it and i'm like oh this is great this is like i will play this you know like as opposed to ocarina of time where i couldn't bear it at a certain point you know yeah i no yeah I, and that's that's just it like similar to kingdoms of Amalur, like there is work being done to bring it up to 2020 levels so that you can play it without being like ah my eyes so with this all-stars collection like i think nintendo does like I'm enjoying it. I'm very much enjoying it, but they don't do, don't expect this to be like, a. um, I mean, Nintendo doesn't do remakes in a way that is similar to other remakes that we've enjoyed. Like if you look at, gosh, I'm trying to think of any, like destroy all humans is a good example in, in what I'm talking about. Final fantasy remake is a, is a completely different game, but I think if you go into this understanding that it's a punched up version of these three games, three solid, excellent, game changer uh 3d platforms i mean sunshine is kind of outside that you know that category but it's still awesome um this is a great collection to pick up and and honestly i'm looking forward to playing more of it with the kids like we played super mario 64 a little bit and the kids just were having fun running around obviously they can't actually you know contribute but i think galaxy is interesting my 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 like big thing was that I owned two of these three games. And if I owned all three of the games, like why would I spend 90 bucks to get them again? Like, like what was the added incentive? Because the big incentive for getting anything on the switch is you're essentially getting a portable version of those games, right? Which is, which is obviously a, a cool thing. Having Mario galaxy portable. That's awesome, but I'm not going anywhere. 2020 sucks. I'm at home. <laughs> I'm playing on my screen. So why do I care? The reason I care, it turns out, is because everything looks night really nicer. Mario 64 in particular, I would never go back and play it on, on on Nintendo 64. Like and playing it again, like it's hitting all the nostalgia bumps while also giving me what my memory remembers as opposed to how it actually looks. And the the galaxy is is great as well. And then Sunshine, I've never played. So when when I play it, that will be a whole new game. So I already feel like it was worth it. But that said, to your point about remasters. And, and remakes like mafia one which was a game i loved playing um has got a full remake that is just coming out like i think this week last week or the week before tony hawk one and two two games that i put countless hours into and loved got a full remake and it being charged both of those games are not being charged 79.99 you know like they got fully redone they're they're both selling for much less than that. But Nintendo is like, ah, we're gonna up-res these three games and you're gonna come buy them like suckers. And it, you know what? Like they got me. They got yeah. me. And I and I, I will say 
that if it wasn't for the fact that we've put like 700 hours into Animal Crossing and that I feel like I still owe the money for Animal Crossing, um, <laughs> then I probably would have held off. But that combined with dropping a box on my foot led me to be uh, fully invested into Mario All-Stars. And I got to say, it's a, it's been a pretty fun ride so far. Hey, I mean, I... <laughs> Yeah, that's I didn't drop a, a a box on my foot, but I but I was super super stoked to play these games. I mean, Super Mario Sunshine has been a game that we have not been able to play since the GameCube, and I'm sure if I wanted to, I could go dig it out. But I've already got enough shit plugged into my TV. I I don't need to I don't need to add another box. To, yeah, I have the I know. Wii U hooked up back, you know, again, and it's like, yeah, oh yeah. I, the, Paper Mario Color Splash. Exactly. Yeah. But no, the, the, the up res, the way they've been able to punch these games up, totally solid. Like Galaxy looks great. And that game, when I originally played it, deserve, deserved to look better. But the Wii was just not the powerhouse that uh, we eventually got with the with the Wii U and the Switch. But I'm I'm thinking Mario Galaxy. Like that's where Mario Galaxy 2 not being in this collection is a bit of a bummer. But if they were operated as DLC, you know, Crofton, you might drop another twenty bucks. Oh, I would totally God. get it. Totally. Well, but this, this is it. There was a lot of there was a lot of uh, you know complaining about Mario Galaxy Two. I think a lot of people missed Galaxy Two, and I don't. I I did. I know I did. I don't know why so many people missed Gal- Galaxy Two. I think they had shifted from the Wii at that. It was in the tail end of the Wii life cycle or whatever. But yeah, if Galaxy Two was on offer, and I have a feeling that we will not even wait. I have a feeling that what's going to happen, we're going to finish Galaxy One, and I'm going to say, "Hey, you know, there's a sequel to this one," and, J- and Gwen's going to be like, "Oh, we need to get it," and then then I'll get it on the Wii or something, and we'll I'll dig out the stupid box. But you know, um. I definitely, if there was DLC for it, I have no doubt that I would, uh, I would buy it. Ryan, recognizing that we have definitely run long this episode, yeah. uh, which you know what, that's fire. We we've got fun stuff to talk about. I I set the the stage for the apocalyptic hellscape at the beginning, um, so you know. Uh, but uh, I, I just before you know closing up shop, uh, and, you know throwing the diapers in the trash and all of that. I just wanted to see, do we have any mail this week? We do have mail, and uh, it comes from Neil. He wrote an email in in response to our episode, our last episode, episode 42. Hey, guys, I haven't listened to the Reply All episode, but I got SIM swapped myself this year around March when everything started shutting down oh. for COVID. And I saw this email come in, and, and Neil, before I wrap your email up, because um, he tells a, an interesting story. When I read this email, my stomach just dropped, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is how it would be like." And I, and occasionally that reply all episode will come into my mind, and I'll be just like, "Oh my god, I need to just disconnect everything from my phone and, and get rid of it and just do Wi-Fi only." Like really, like what do I use this thing for? <laughs> you know, um, it's just so scary. Like, anyways, I'll, I don't know if you got that when I told you we got an email about sim swapping, but. That was that was where my mind originally went when I when I saw this email. It's just it's freaky. It freaks me out, man. So what happened with Neil? So what happened with Neil is he was playing a game of Heroes of the Storm around nine thirty PM one night and saw some text message about my number being transferred. Figured it was a scam, so I ignored it. Checked my oh. phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh and now when I get messages from my provider, I, I freak out. Um 
hopefully my brain decides to let go of this in the next couple months. Um, figured it was a scam, so I ignored it. Checked my phone after the game, and it had lost service. I called the phone company with my wife's phone, and they had closed hours before, so there would have been no way for me to stop it, even if I acted right away when I got the message. I spent the remainder of the night removing the number as my backup and changing my password on all the important logins I could think of. My next Damn. day consisted of spending hours on hold with the phone company, bank, credit agencies, police, etc. With COVID shut down at its peak, wait times were even worse than the usual. I ended up getting my phone back a day or two later, but in the end, uh, sorry, I should say my number back. Uh, but in the end, I canceled my phone and account with the company since I'm convinced my number was compromised due to a reported hack of the company's information a year or so ago. So they needed my account number to do the port. That's interesting. That's an interesting piece right there. Um, I started That's fresh. A, yeah. So, well, it, yeah. Like, I mean, the fact that they need your account number, like they, this is the thing about SIM swapping. They knew they do need to know a good chunk of information that you normally wouldn't share publicly. Like, um, so a leak of some kind is, is a very, uh, is a very big way that these, these, uh, nefarious folks get that information, like, um, information they would use to try to validate themselves as, as you on the phone. Um, but I mean, everything's getting hacked. So chances are people can put together a, a good profile is, uh, is high. Um, just a couple more notes here. I started fresh with a new number and have gotten a few texts from the friends of my phone number's previous owner, but no issues so far. Pro tip, you can call your cell phone provider and put on number port blocking so it takes a few days rather than five minutes for the phone number switch to go through. Maybe huh. annoying when you want to legitimately switch carriers in the future, but 100% worth it so you don't have to deal with the BS I went through. Thanks for putting out the show. It makes my grass cutting slash housework time much more enjoyable. Cheers neil nice uh, thanks neil and it will definitely give you extra this week hopefully you have a big lawn <laughs> um <laughs> but uh but that's crazy man yeah. that is that is that's, that is also a good tip though uh i'm gonna have to look into that because uh i mean i i wonder if neil well neil it sounds like it was part of a giant hack because the thing is in that reply all episode it was clear that what happened with this lady was just that she had an interesting Instagram or Snapchat handle rather. Yeah. And that's why they targeted her. I just am wondering like, like Crofton steers is such a unique name that like, why would, I don't know what, you know, my handles would be useless to most people. You know, yeah. like a, I think the reply all episode is like, there, there uh, are many reasons that someone would, would be targeted in a hack. Sometimes it's simplicity, which was covered in that reply all episode where it's like they got a dump of information. Um, sometimes it's just legit. Here are the emails and common passwords that have been used in the past. That's why they say to change your password when uh, there has been a reported attack. But yeah, most of this stuff does stem from some sort of outside sort of leak or related to the fact that you have... Um, an OG account. So for example, in the episode, it was lizard. Um, so, and like names, names are less likely. You're more likely to be offered a good chunk of money from the celebrity who has, uh, who has the same name as you for your account name than to get hacked for it. Right. Uh, unless that, that person is like some nefarious guy, like, or, or girl who knows. But I think like from my perspective, like, 
from my accounts, I'm probably more likely to be contacted by famed producer Ryan Murphy or famed swimmer Ryan Murphy to to get some of my handles as opposed to being hacked knock on wood. Really. Wait, you're not famed producer Ryan Murphy? That's why I agreed no. to do this whole show. When am I going to be on American Horror Story? Uh, yeah, God. I mean, like, we're fresh. Uh, we're we're kind of filled up, but... Um, God damn it. Uh, maybe next time. Maybe next maybe. time. Uh, I don't know. I've got, like, 16 series on the go. Yes. I'm really <laughs> busy. I don't do any of the casting. I have to call my people. Have my people call your people. We'll figure it out. We'll talk um, about this after the show. Figure yeah, Ryan we'll Murphy. figure it out after the show. We don't have to involve the fine people at home but but yeah neil thank you so much for emailing in i i feel for you like that's it, it it's scary and i mean i've i've uh i was we were talking pre-show about it like i think if this were to happen to me it would it would take it would, i don't know if i'd be able to get over it it just feels like feels like such an invasion of privacy but like looking into it a little bit like i looked into the port uh blocking service like phone companies are well like obviously well aware of this going on and and the reply all uh episode goes into this as well most of the time when people do this number porting scam sim swapping the the idea is someone on the other end of the phone company is in on it right like it's either it's a hack and they have all the information they need and they're able to to social engineer it yeah or someone on the inside is working with them so like i i think it'd be really funny if I log in for the next episode of Dungeons and Diapers and uh, I'm greeted by this guy with a heavily accented voice. And he's like, hello, I'm Ryan Murphy. Are you ready for a show? And, uh, and I'm like, excuse me, sir. Are you, uh, why is there lag whenever you talk? And Ryan, you don't normally have lag. Oh, I'm, I am totally in Canada right now. I would like to no. know your address and uh, yeah. all like, do you know where I live? I'm, I just want to make sure that you are this Crofton Steers that I talk to. <laughs> I'm like, sure, here you go. Here's my social insurance number. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, thanks so much, Neil. That, that, that is great. If you uh, listeners would like to share uh, your thoughts, on, be it sim swapping or anything we talk about on the show, you can yeah. send us an email, dad at tgistudios.com. That's dad at tgistudios.com. You visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. All our episodes are there. Ryan and I, both individuals of individual natures. You can follow us on the Twitter. I'm at Croft and Steers. Ryan is at R. Murphy, so as not to be confused with famous producers. And that is going to do it with for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great couple of weeks, everybody. Stay safe out there. Be COVID aware. Wear masks and wash your hands. See you soon. Bye, Ryan. Bye. Bye.